Welcome to the Res Life Podcast with Dr. Chris Riley and Dr. Alex Schuper, the medical podcast for those at any stage in the medical field, from pre-med students through attending physicians and anyone else who wants to learn more about the field of medicine. Make sure to subscribe, like, and comment on this video to provide feedback on medical topics you would like to learn more about. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to the Res Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Riley with my co-host, Dr. Alex Schuper. Uh, both of us are residents. Um, today we are going to be talking about ERAS, the mythical and scary application system for residency. The bane um, of every, every medical student's existence. Exactly, the thing that gives you nightmares. And we're going to try to make it so it doesn't give you nightmares. We're just going to talk a little bit about it, um, some of the timeline points, and hopefully we can give you guys a little bit more of a clear path to submitting your ERAS and matching into the specialty that you guys want to match into. Um, so ERAS is the uh, Electronic Residency Application uh, System. And it was developed, I mean, it's been around for forever, but uh, June 8th is when it opened up, which was the ERAS 2021 season. Um, for this cycle. For, for this, this cycle, cycle, exactly. And submission date is actually, you can start submitting it on September 1st. Um, that's at 9 it's coming up. Exactly. Crazy. I can't believe it. Already. Um, you guys will be in our shoes before you even know it. Um, which actually just take, take your time. Don't, don't get here too quick. But, uh, and after that residency programs are able to start viewing your applications and seeing your MSPE letter release, um, on October 21st, which, uh, Alex, you were saying that that actually was changed this year because of COVID, correct? Correct. At least my understanding is that it's been pushed back a little bit since COVID. Every, everything has basically been changed this cycle, which we'll talk about in a sec. Obviously, everything's gone virtual. There are much heavier regulations and restrictions from the AAMC as far as in-person interviews. So because of that, all of these programs and these specialties have had to juggle kind of where they're shifting their, their schedule because now everything's been switched. Our Conventional interview dates aren't going to be you know where they were, mm -hmm. so all these programs have had to really had to shuffle. So to adhere to that, essentially the whole schedule has been pushed back a month. Mm -hmm. And and ERAS submitting ERAS getting it ready was the biggest headache because there are so many parts. It's basically your CV but on steroids. Um, you know you're you're submitting this huge application. Um, with anything and everything you've ever done. And you have to make sure there are no mistakes. You know, that's a sign of carelessness. Please do not make any uh, spelling errors or grammatical errors um, because, you know, programs will see that and they'll be like, oh, this guy doesn't care. Like, what, what, what's going on here? Um, so when you're submitting ERAS, is it best to submit right away or is it better to make sure all your letters are in at the same time, like what, what, what do you think about that? I think it's, it's definitely a case by case basis. Mm -hmm. 
in so if it's a matter of a couple of days to allow you know like you said just giving yourself a couple extra times to go over everything again make sure everything's spelled right all your experiences are up to date all of your publications are in there especially say you have a paper that's about to be accepted just to get whatever you can in a couple of days is not going to make a difference mm-hmm. If it's a matter of you applying right when it opens versus later in the cycle, that can definitely affect things is there might be some programs that already gave out all their interview invites. And if you apply late, that obviously nixes you from that institution. So definitely, definitely have to apply early, but within a couple of days, you definitely have a grace period there. Yeah. I think, I think that's really important to emphasize that, you know, it is a case by case kind of thing. I know with EM, we're always looking for the slow, which is the standardized letter of evaluation. Um, and this year has been different. I'll talk about it in the next episode. I'm just going to do a solo episode on EM and demystifying the slow and all that kind of stuff, especially for this cycle, because everything's been so crazy. Um, ASEP, which is the American College of Emergency Physicians, actually said they're only requiring one slow this year and one away EM rotation. Um which is kind of crazy because in the past you're always trying to get as many as you can. Um, but they understand that everything's been kind of put on the wayside because of COVID. And I believe that's the philosophy behind this whole delaying of programs, being able to review your applications. Right. Right. Exactly. Because the third year into fourth year med school, curriculums have been affected so heavily that now you can't do sub internships at places outside of your institution. So you can't get those letters of recommendation like you used to be able to get Mm -hmm. programs at at medical schools are finding different ways to give these, these med students applying to residency, new opportunities. For example, at, at our meds, at the med school that I train at there, the, sub-eyes, sub-interns now spend two months on neurosurgery rather than just one mm. because they're not able to do another rotation and outside institution. Because of that, they now also have to get a letter of recommendation from someone else in a surgical specialty mm-hmm. because they can't get multiple uh, programs of neurosurgery. Exactly. Uh, right, letters of recommendation. So everything's changed, uh, to adhere to this, we want to give the med student, we only want to penalize the medical students applying to residency. So that's why we push back or we, the, the AMC and ERAS has pushed back the application deadline a little bit further, just, just yeah. to help with that transition. Exactly. Give you a little leniency. Um, they understand that these are extenuating circumstances. Um, so, you know, letters of recommendation hold a ton of weight. Um, so, when you are looking for your letter, uh, letter of recommendation writer, what are you looking for in that person? Are, are, you know, are you looking for the biggest name you can find or, you know, what, what's your process there? That's a great question. And it is so true. Uh, there's actually really good data from the match interviewing every program director actually has to take a survey after the match every year. Mm-hmm. And at least in neurosurgery, last in last year's match, letters of recommendation was in the top three in terms of factors that program directors use to decide the ranking of an applicant. Mm-hmm. So they're incredibly important. In many cases, it's more important than your board scores, more important than where you went to med school. Yeah. So I can't emphasize it enough how important getting a great letter of recommendation is. 
Now, this is a question I get all the time from medical students. You know, do I just go for the big name? Do I go for the guy or the girl who's changed my field that is a household name in the specialty? Or do I go from someone, for someone smaller who might know me a little better? I think it's a tricky question. I think you know, the advantage is you're going to have more than one letter of recommendation, so you can kind of have a mix. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I worked in a lab of a really big guy in neurosurgery uh, who's now a chair at one of the top institutions who everyone in neurosurgery knows his name. Uh, so for me, that, that was important. I had the advantage of he also knew me personally pretty well mm-hmm. for a couple of years as I did research in his lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in addition to that, I also had neurosurgeons who weren't known as well uh, across the country who just knew me very well. They'd known me since my first year of med school. They knew me on a personal level, not just on a professional level and could really speak to my values and my strengths of, of my character and not just my academic accolades, mm-hmm. which is really important. You really want someone who, who's gonna back you and take your side of the ring and you know really pull you through because they know you well. So I think it's having that balance. You, know, you want someone who, you know, really brings, brings home a lot that their name and their word is very well respected. Mm-hmm. You want someone that, you know, when you apply, they're going to be like, Oh, Dr. Chris Riley speaks highly of this person. They have to be great. You know, you want someone who people trust their word. Mm-hmm. So you want a mix of that with someone who really knows you well and can speak to your core values and not just what someone can recapitulate on a, on a piece of paper, not just say, Oh, Chris did great on his boards. Chris published a lot of papers, but this is who Chris is as a person mm-hmm. because it's those letters that are much more meaningful and they really open up who you are as an applicant much more than just speaking to your accolades. Yeah, exactly. They give the interviewer a chance to actually, you know, go inside your head and be like, oh, you know, um, Dr. Schuper, he really enjoys baseball. He really enjoys CrossFit. You know, like looking at these little things that are, great talking points, um, in your interview. But, you know, as you were just saying, the letters of recommendation are becoming the most important thing in the application, especially with step one now going to be a pass fail kind of thing, uh, with all of the emphasis now being on step two, that's eventually going to happen. I think 2021. Um, Mm -hmm. but I know an EM slows, or their standardized letter of evaluation carry the most weight, even more than any step one or step two. So I think with all specialties, try to get the best letter you can for any letters of recommendation outside of your specialty, which is going to happen big time this year, especially because like you were just saying, it's harder to get these out of institution rotations in whatever specialty you want to do with these um, outside of your specialty letters of recommendation Make sure you know the person personally. Make sure they know your personal attributes and characteristics and what makes you a great candidate for that residency position. Um, I think that's so important, just having that personal connection. Uh, Because, you know, you and I can even read a letter and be like, oh, this is generic bullshit. Like, (laughs) I'm not... Like, this isn't weighing in on the application process at all versus a heartfelt you know, uh, Dr. Schuper is, you know, hardworking. He always showed up on time. He, he shows compassion with his patients. You know, these kind of big buzzwords, um, really let the interviewer know what kind of person you actually are on a personal level. So, um, any other last minute tips about letters of recommendation, like maybe, um, reminding people to, 
send a letter? Absolutely. I think it's very tricky. Uh, as people know, often your uh, letter writers are very busy. Mm-hmm. So I think it's that combination of being vigilant, staying on top of them without being annoying. Uh, you definitely don't want to piss them off in the process of writing you a really good letter of recommendation. But at the same time, you need your letter, right? And they're, they're, they should be very respectful to us. And they understand that, right? And they understand. They understand that you're on a timeline and you're a stressed out fourth year medical student who's trying to apply and trying to get everything in early. So you know, some gentle reminders, you know, maybe go out to lunch with them, you know, talk about your research that you do with them, just, you know, and just kind of slip it in, you know, make it organic you know, don't be rude, you know, be very appreciative always. You know, I just want to thank you again for, for writing this letter on my behalf. Mm-hmm. I, I really have faith. I know it's going to be a strong letter and I know you're going to represent me well. And I really appreciate you getting it in for me. Exactly. So bottom <laughs> line, bottom line, if you are going to be pushing these people for getting these letters in, be gentle about it and also remind them what that personal connection is between you guys. What would make that letter strong for you? So that's great. Okay, awesome. Um, Last thing we're going to talk about, virtual interviews. As I said before, I'm a huge in-person kind of guy. I have to be able to feel the room, feel that, you know, that that interesting quality between people. Like, you don't really know how to describe it, but it's there. Um, That indescribable, that palpable feeling when you're in the room, (laughs) your heart is pounding. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it's important. I, I, you know, was always known as the guy, especially when I was younger, I would look someone in the eyes and give them a nice firm handshake. And that's the best way to start a conversation. So important. You engage with them. And, and unfortunately our applicants this year, they can't do that. Yeah. You can't, you can't handshake on zoom the same way you can in person. I can try to, who knows if we'll ever go back. No, it's important. And I think talking about, you know, there's some really important strategies to virtually interviewing, that are really important, you know, just, just to kick it off, you know, you have to overemphasize your personality now because like Chris mentioned, you're losing that whole dimension of, you know, who you are as a person, you're not going to be able to fill the room the same way that you can in person. So you have to work even harder to get your personality Mm out. If you're a, a, a big, you know, verbose person with a very loud personality, let that, let that show. You can let that show in, in, you know, through zoom, through virtual, a virtual meeting, but you have to work that much harder, right? Because your body language won't be conveyed the same way that it will in person. Exactly. So you know, it puts more emphasis on the on the applicant. And you know, it's, it's much easier on the other side of the table to not pay attention, right? Because you're mm-hmm. on Zoom, you're looking at a computer screen, you're not looking at someone who's engaging you. Mm-hmm. So you have to work that much harder as an applicant. Yeah. So last year, uh, emergency medicine, we always seem to be the guinea pigs with everything for some reason. But they tried to get us to do this thing called the SBI, which is a video interview um, where we would be asked questions and we would answer recorded answers on the, the video camera, dressed in a suit, super bizarre. It was so uncomfortable and it failed miserably. ASAP, American College of Emergency Physicians, shot it down immediately. But what I would suggest having gone through that is practice with a friend, practice with your family members, practice on Zoom. Zoom, just do it all the time because the only way to get good at something is to practice. And this is no different. 
the way that you, you know, sometimes I find myself actually looking at the screen instead of the camera, which can also come off as like, you know, you're not looking into somebody's direct eye line. And there's so many little things that you don't even think about, but you should be cognizant of it. And what you should do with your family members or friends is ask them for feedback. Be like, look, like just ask me some general interview questions. Um, you know, comment on my posture, comment if I'm saying exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, my personality, you know, that's a great point. You know, talk to people who are close to you, you know, my personality, did it come through on video? Exactly. There's something I can do to portray my personality better. Exactly. These are, these are such important things that they're vital. If you want the program that you're interviewing at to really gain a sense of who you are as a person Mm -hmm. and as a future member of their residency program. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, preparing for the interviews, the same as it always has been, which is know your application inside and out, just know everything about yourself, which you should anyway. Um, but this is the hardest part is actually finding that connection. Um, and it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult for you guys, but my biggest piece of advice would be what we were just talking about, which is ask for feedback from friends and family, practice it a bunch of times. You know, your friends and family, they're going to be honest with you. They're going to be straightforward. They're going to be like, hey, uh, to be honest, yeah, you were kind of awkward. I I didn't really get your personality out of that video interview. Let's try again. Um, You know, maybe instead of wearing a black suit, maybe wear a light blue suit or I, I don't know, just something... It's just good to get these. Yeah, or talk about this some more, or watch the watch the tone of exactly. your voice, or hey, you were saying this this word a lot. It was kind of awkward. It was distracting. You know, you have your crutch Absolutely. words, right? Too like uh and eh and you know these kind of words, which I'm a huge, um, like I I fail at that a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to work on it, <laughs> but uh, we'll see how that progresses as the podcast goes along. But uh, any other last minute things about the zoom interviews for residency no i think just to to finish it off the big thing is just asking the right questions for me uh one of of the things that i think is going to be missing the most in this application cycle is the applicants won't really get gain a sense of the resident culture Mm -hmm. like they could during in-person interviews for me, and I, I told this to a bunch of bad students at this point, the interview dinner was 95% of the oh, interview yeah. for me. Before I even stepped in the following day for the interview, I knew if I was going to like that yeah. program or not. And that was just through talking to the residents, just for going out on a, on a night out in the town with them and, and figuring out who they were, asking the right questions to see, you know, is this the type of program that I'm going to fit yeah. into, right? You could you could look up the academic accolades of any institution. You could see you know the different labs that they have, who their faculty are. Uh, you could see who their residents are and where they went mm-hmm. to college and stuff like that. But it's really not until you you ask the right questions and you figure out what their culture is like. Do they like each other? Do they spend time mm-hmm. with each other? Right? What are their personalities? Do they clash? Do they mesh? These are all incredible things that we're losing that dimension. Mm-hmm by going virtual. So you, it really puts more emphasis on the applicants to ask the right questions, yeah. talk to the residents, figure out what they do, right? Do they like each other? Is this a collegial environment or is it more of a malignant culture? Mm-hmm. These are the questions that are going to determine if this program is the right fit for you or They'll not. They'll determine your happiness so, for the next three to however many years. And, right. 
Um, right. Especially if you're applying, applying to a surgical specialty and you're there for five plus years, you know, there's a long time to spend with exactly. these people. You have to ask the right questions mm-hmm. and you got to know what you're walking into. Yeah. That's so important. That's a great point. Um, cause I know a lot of these programs are actually doing resident video interviews too, where the applicant's able to sit down obviously at their computer, but, and, you know, discuss with these residents in the programs ask them things like, what do you guys like to do for fun? What do you do for wellness? How do you guys prevent physician burnout? All these kinds of uh, questions are so important and they will shape your um, cognitive biases of each program that you see. You know, I I remember going to a couple programs where some residents were just miserable and I was like, that's a bad sign. I would never, I would never rank this program highly because of that. Um, so just keep that in mind when you guys are interviewing these residents. Um, but yeah, so again, to summarize, you want to talk uh, a little bit of summary about the ERAS, uh, submission? Absolutely. So we already talked about the dates a little Mm -hmm. bit. Uh, big thing is, is getting your application getting those layers of recommendation. If you're in emergency medicine, getting your slows in, making sure everything's accurate, everything's in there. You're not missing any of your experiences. You know, now we're, everything's delayed a month, but we're doing virtual interviews. So we'll be interviewing during the fall for the most part, going into the winter. And then we'll see. I, I assume we're not going to have second looks just because we're not having in-person interviews. Yeah, so so generally, generally we would exactly. do second looks. Exactly. Um, I was going to say ASEP actually said that they're highly discouraged. Um, no one's really doing them. I would imagine most programs are going to abide yeah. by that. Obviously, if some people an unfair advantage if they allow certain people to come back. Um, and then after that, it's getting your rank list in order, which uh, I believe we're going to have a, another talk at this point where we can talk about rank lists and, and strategizing, mm-hmm. ranking different programs. I think that's a whole talk in its own, which we can discuss at another time later in the yeah. year when it gets closer. And then it's match day. You know, match day, unfortunately, it seems like it's going to be virtual again, yeah. but it's, it's a great time. Uh, it, you know, you get to find out where you're going to start your career and it's an incredible process. It's very stressful. It's long, it's a long couple months, but it's well worth it. You see the dividends pay off of all the work you've put in during college and med school. And it's incredibly gratifying. So regardless of if you do it in person or virtual, based on the circumstances of the pandemic, um, just enjoy the journey. It's a lot of fun. You get to meet a lot of great people. You get to see a lot of awesome programs around the country. And yeah, just you know, don't take for granted because you only get to do this once. And it truly is an awesome experience. It, it's the best part of medical school. Yeah, it's, uh, it is one heck of an experience. It's, uh, <laughs> it's terrifying and so exciting at the same time. Um, you guys are going to experience a huge range of emotions over the next uh, several months. <coughs> but sorry, I still but have that <laughs> cough a little bit. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was just going to finish off by saying if you guys ever have any questions about the interview process, the match process, applying to residency, you can always reach out to us. Uh, Instagram is probably the best way, mm-hmm. either at Doc Riles or at NerfitnessMD, our Instagram handles. Uh, feel free. You know, people DM me all the time, whether they're med students or pre-med, asking for advice. So you know, we're always here for you guys. Whenever, you know, anything comes up that you want to throw our way, you know, we'd be happy to feel Yeah, it. and, uh, you know, just to emphasize, we are doing this for you guys. So um, if you guys have questions, comments, uh, you want to hear about certain topics in the future, 
we have our own running list of topics, but if there's something that is super important coming up, please let us know. And we'll, uh, we'll get that out to you guys as soon as we can. We're going to be trying to release a new episode every Sunday. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So thank you guys for joining this episode of Res Life Podcast with me, Dr. Chris Riley, and Dr. Alex Schuper. Um, thank you, Shoop, for, you know, hanging out, as always, on a lovely Sunday evening. So, uh, as always, feel very Hey, yes. thanks. You know, I think it was a couple coughs this time. So, <laughs> all right. Take care. All right. Later. Guys.